UCLA men's basketball can certainly compete and win the national championship. I'm going to tell you why and how on Locked On UCLA. Let's get it. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, it's your favorite host. It's Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, D1 play by play broadcaster, and diehard Bruins fan. Thank you for listening to Locked On UCLA, and thanks for making it your first listen each and every day. It's free where we get your podcast and available on YouTube. Like, comment, and subscribe. Thanks for your support. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. In the meantime, let's get right to it. UCLA, yes, I know they're coming off of a loss to Arizona, but I figured why not a better opportunity to prove why UCLA can and should and very well compete for a national championship who are the X factors and why they won't? We're going to say that at the end. So if you want to really get down deep and dirty, we're going to talk about it at the end. But in the beginning, we're getting right to it. UCLA, Mick Cronin, they've got a veteran roster mixed with some youthful exuberance from guys who made it to the Final Four, were a buzzer beater away from making it to the national championship game a couple years ago. First four to Final Four. Expectations last year didn't pan out, but this year, there's a different feel to this team this year. Last year with the Juzang and the Jules Bernard returning, Cody Riley, it seemed like the team wasn't exactly gelling as it was, as it did the year before. And not saying that there's anything wrong, but it didn't have that same feel that this team has the heart, the hustle, and the moxie. And we're going to go one through six of the top six Bruins. All right. This is what UCLA has at the top of their lineup. Jaime Hawkins Jr., a guy who's one of the guys who's being listed for the Wooden Award, a player who averages 16 points per game, seven rebounds, almost two steals per game, and has been a weapon offensively, hitting the glass even when his shot's not falling, and has joined his teammate counterpart Jalen Clark when it comes to being active in the passing lanes, getting steals, and leading UCLA to forcing their opponents into turnovers. UCLA with Hawkes is one of the few Pac-12 players that is both in the top 10 in rebounding and scoring in the conference. Tagger Campbell, veteran presence, Longtime Bruin, number two in the Pac-12 when it comes to assist to turnover ratio, top 30 in the country when it comes to assist to turnover ratio, averages about 14 points per game in the Pac-12, 44% from three during Pac-12 play, up from his numbers during the non-conference, 13.8 points per game so far this year. So that gives UCLA a leading man in Hawkins, a veteran, as of course the two guys who were sent to Pac-12 media day, media days I should say, Hawkins and Tiger Campbell. You got two guys who can be the face of the program in March with still guys behind them that are equally as good, equally as capable, night in and night out. Hawkes, that guy that can get buckets in the low post, occasionally splash your three, play the defense. You've got your floor general, a guy who, as Mick Cronin always likes to say, it's rare and it's very sometimes peculiar. Oh my goodness, I can't even speak. Odd, peculiar, as now we finally get it, with Tiger Campbell, who... It's rare to see him turn it over is the point I'm trying to make. And he takes care of the basketball and runs the ball, runs around the offense with a guy who has been asked to score more. And despite more shots and 
early cold shooting start to the season, Campbell's picked it up, especially in Pac-12 play against conference opponents, and has shown the capability to take over games, scoring the basketball. Then you go to the guy who I've always loved this season, Jalen Clark, arguably the team MVP, who has gone and burst onto the scene from last year's limited time, about 18 minutes per game, to now well over 30 minutes per game, starting pretty much in every game he's played, shooting about 50% from the floor, up from 6.5 points per game last year to close to 14 points per game this year, 7 rebounds, averaging close to a couple of steals per game, and in the last four games, he's had 12 steals. In every game but five this year, and the ones that he's played for Jalen Clark, he's had multiple, multiple steals. So that gives UCLA a leading man in scoring, the guy who they want to get the ball to in Hawkins Jr., a great on-ball, the best, arguably, 1v1 defender, team defender, and Jalen Clark, who can turn defense into offense and also has spiced up his offensive game. A floor general for UCLA with Tiger Campbell, and that's just the top three for UCLA. Jalen Clark, and then fifth-year senior David Singleton, who has helped pick up the slack. If there was no Singleton blossoming this year, UCLA probably would be a different team. And when I was advocating for him to start before Bailey went out injured, he's been amazing shooting the ball. And while he has been cold, three offers from downtown in three of the last four games, sandwiched around his season high in points, 21 points against ASU and 7 of 10 nights shooting the basketball, you can see the highs and lows of living and dying by the three with the one super reliable weapon from downtown. But for Singleton, who in his fifth year averaging now 10 points per game, a career high, has already set a career high in three-point field goals made in his career in a single season, coming from a guy who hadn't seen much time. 44% would be amongst the top 10 in the country if his three-point percentage qualified for the NCAA leaderboards. And this year's funny enough, his second-worst single-season three-point shooting percentage. So his bad year is just a few shades off of shooting 50% from three. And in his career, he shoots about 44% from downtown. So career-wise, despite defense's game planning for him overall from freshman to now his fifth year, this is a guy who's proven he can make the three-point shot at a high clip despite shooting it at higher portions this season. So your top four between every little marker you need as an individual player, you've got your score, your big man kind of down low, and Hawkeyes, not your big, big man, but you, you know what I'm saying. You have Tiger Campbell, your floor general. Jalen Clark, who's got that long wingspan defensively, can up to shooting percentage, can score. Singleton, your lethal shooter. And that hasn't even gotten to my X factors in a Dembona and Amari Bailey, which we'll get to in the next segment. So one through four, one through six, UCLA, I think, can compete with the rest of the teams in the country. You look at the resume. They've beaten tournament teams, and they've beaten non-tournament teams, and they've lost the teams who are on and above the bubble, teams are in the top 10. They've lost to teams who, they've beaten teams who are in the top 10, top 15, now dropped out of all of that. In a weird year of college basketball, where you could argue that UCLA is on the short list of top-tier true contenders, had one of the longer active winning streaks before losing to Arizona in a year where they arguably may have made their last Pac-12 trip to Arizona to the McHale Center, barring a late schedule change next year. You didn't feel that Arizona was better than them compared to maybe last year when it seemed like lucky the Bruins could have competed with them in Vegas and in Tucson. This year they competed against Illinois. You felt like they lost that game. Against Baylor, it was back and forth, and they lost that game. 
There's never a true game for the Bruins this year where in their three losses, you felt they didn't belong. They belonged in every single one of these games this year, all 20 of them, whether they had to compete from behind, battle back with the late surge ahead, or go through a lengthy scoring run to put their opponents to bed, take advantage of late wins against Washington State, whatever it is, the Bruins haven't even been at full strength during the entirety of Pac-12 play since it restarted in late December and now going through January. A team who's got wins proven on the road that can go beat Kentucky across the country. Go play Maryland in a true road game where everybody was expecting a top-tier atmosphere, and UCLA closed that game out in the first 20 minutes. While you don't want to say Maryland's a top-10 team, Kentucky has proven to go up and down. You've seen UCLA miss opportunities against an Illinois and a Baylor, and now an Arizona on the road. UCLA has proven with their metrics, not just the eye test, but the metrics. You have Ken Palm, who rates them as a top-four team amongst the country behind a, a Houston, a Tennessee, and I forget the other team at the top of that list. Number three defensively, top 20 offensively. They have less turnovers than their opponents in every game. Number two in the country when it comes to turnover margin. So it tells you a team that forces a lot of turnovers has some of the better defenders and guys who not just defend you, but turn those non-opportunities into opportunities offensively, fast break points, higher field goal percentage. UCLA can defend. They won't give you the basketball. So meltdowns are few and far between in, in terms of simply coughing up the basketball. Their shooting slumps, which they've had quite a bit these last few games, that's another thing. But their defense is so lethal. You could see how that Arizona game went from couldn't shoot to all of a sudden within a four-point game with the, with the basketball, all because of defense, heart, hustle, and sheer tenacity at the end of that Arizona game. The Bruins, you know, it seems like they want more respect. In terms of the eye test, the Bruins are growing on me from the beginning. It's like, all right, here we go. And then a year with no true number one. You know, Purdue's number one at the moment with some big Zach Eady, and they don't even have Jaden Ivey like they did the year before when they lost to St. Peter's with the battle for the lead eight on the line. UCLA has a team that can truly compete. They've got the top four that can stand with anybody, two freshmen that can compete with anybody, especially with Bailey when healthy, and Bona slowly beginning to figure it out at the end of his true freshman campaign. But here are some X factors that we're going to tell you about. A couple of keys that we're going to talk about why UCLA needs these to go right in order to get themselves in position to win a national championship. But again, they've got a top four in the country who can do pretty much every little thing that you want your guy, a team to have. A three-point shooter, a scorer, a floor general, a defender who can all defend, who can all rebound, and who can all, all score. I test metrics. They, met, they meet in the middle. The Bruins have proven it against teams who they play in the four. They have not played fluff games for quite some time. And Pac-12, as mediocre as some might say, you could say it's more competitive than it's been in a year in college basketball where competition has been as tight as it's been ever then in a long time. It's just been as tight as it's ever been from the top all the way to what you could say the edge of the tournament, the bubble, just outside the bubble. To the bottom, it's a truly tight team, and UCLA can defend with the best of them, turn it into easy points, and have guys who in a variety of options can get ready to go and score at any point at any time. Now we're going to talk about the X factors after I tell you about FanDuel. You know, you can make a bet at who the, these X factors are, but just know we're really excited about the new sports betting partner for Locked On. They're the number one sports 
book in America. FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that makes betting and sports fun and easy, such as if you're a new customer, join today and you can get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Jeez, though. All right, let's put five bucks on the Bengals to do it again in the AFC Championship game against Kansas City. And then all of a sudden, you get $150 of free bets. So you can put that on prop bets, money line, point spreads, because all you have to do is go to fanduel.com slash locked on to get that free bet guarantee. You put five bucks on the Bengals. Who knows? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Chiefs hater. It is what it is. Either way, FanDuel has got you all your favorite bets from money line, point spreads, player props. Heck, even put a futures bet. Maybe you want to put something on the Bruins, you know, in the future, as we're teasing in this episode. Plus, you can even combine bets for an even bigger payout with a chance of the same game parlay. It's all in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. $5 bet, your first one, will get you $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, your official sportsbook partner of LockedOn and of the NFL. Go get your NFL playoff betting in now. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, now rocking into the second segment of Locked On UCLA. I've teased the X Factors. I talked about one through six. Well, here's, let's go. We went one through four. Hawk is what his role is. Campbell, what his role is. Clark and Singleton. Now we have three X Factors for UCLA. Two players, one coach related. Adem Bona, Amari Bailey, and Mick Cronin. Some, I've even seen in the comments say, oh, if Tommy Lloyd would have coached the Bruins, they would have beaten Arizona on the road. That's no, that's that's not the case. It's a different atmosphere when you're playing in a tough, crazy environment. But one for UCLA, it's going to come down to Mick Cronin being able to trust his players to make the right plays and not over game planning and not tightening that rotation too soon in a March Madness thing. And that's all I'm going to say about Mick Cronin, because he's obviously been a great coach, turned around the program, which, you know, you come from a Steve Alford, you lose a little bit of respect. They had been losing respect at the end of what was a pretty fun Howland age. And then now Mick Cronin's turned them into a contender each and every year. But it's going to come down to Mick Cronin being able to trust his players in big moments and find guys that can lengthen his starting five and lengthen and get more scoring coming up and down. So who are these X-Factors players-wise? It is Adem Bona, who is a freshman big man in the post out of Nigeria, who has come through average 8.5 points per game, 5 rebounds per game. And while you might say the team MVP is Jalen Clark, He's hustling. He's all out there diving on the floor. I think UCLA's MVP in terms of heart and hustle is a damn bona. You can see, as explained by the Arizona game at the end there, what started that near comeback against the Cats? Well, it started with an Adem bona dive on the floor to get a steal, then follow that up with a block on a dunk, then almost did it again as a damn bona had to go up and down the floor, racing down in a game where he was not playing well and nearly helped lead the Bruins into an improbable game where the final score was closer than the game might have dictated, but a game where UCLA is certainly in it against Zona. 
So Bona is a guy who, if they can get some low post scoring for a guy that averages eight points per game on 65% from the floor, and if he can get those rebounds down. Nick Cronin says he wants 10 rebounds per game. If Bona is that guy that can out-rebound, say UCLA has to get matched up with an Oscar Shibwe. Well, someone's got to be able to hit the glass because the Bruins hit the glass hard, but against the Kentucky, you've got to hit the offensive glass pretty hard, the defensive glass pretty hard. If you're matched up with a Purdue in a late-round game, heck, if something goes wrong, you're playing Purdue early. Zach Eady's a big man. Arguably, he could win the Wooden Award. You're going to need Bona to step up, block his shot, be the athletic dominant force he can be as potential and promises showed, and get those boards. If Bona gets those 18 points like he did up in the Washington schools earlier this season. They can get those easy points, spread up, open the paint for a Tiger Campbell drive or Jalen Clark, easy little hook shot in the paint. He can help spread the floor, open up the paint for the team. And then if he's getting rebounds, blocking shots, then the Bruins have that low post presence that they've so wanted all season, just not in a consistent focus because Bona's been in some foul trouble lately. I believe for the last five, even longer than that, Bona has been it with four personal fouls and has struggled to stay on the floor, as evidenced most recently in Tucson, with both him and Kenny Kenneth Nuba all struggling to stay on the floor with those personal fouls. Then when Amari Bailey, 6'5 guard, I kind of detailed him individually as last episode's little teaser into this one. Amari Bailey is a guy who, when he's right, can help extend UCLA's starting five into more of a hybrid six. He would possibly be UCLA's closing five, could be, would be in the starting five, depending on health, availability, and how he's playing. But Bailey gives UCLA a long wing, a two or a three, who, even if he's scoring four and a half points per game like he was before he officially went out due to injury, that's even more than what the bench is providing, which was what I'll tell you in a moment. He can provide either Bailey's presence in the starting lineup if he comes back and is starting, or if he's coming back and coming off the bench, his presence alone will just simply ignite a bench that has had not much production consistently throughout this season. Again, I already detailed it, but for Bailey, before the last four games where he wasn't truly himself, had 12 points per game, 54% from the floor, 41% from three. Before the last couple of games, he had four, eight of 28 shooting in 18 points. Where you can see he was also learning how to play some defense with the team, get on the boards, and score the basketball. Amari Bailey, Adembona, are those killer bees that are important. And then the bench. Can UCLA get any bench production whatsoever? So the three killer bees, Bona, Bailey, and the bench. The bench, as I've dict- as I said yesterday, but I'm going to repeat it one more time, dating back to the start of the, the Pac-12 play, not including those two extra games in December, you had Arizona, the bench scored four points, seven points against ASU, zero against Colorado, in a 19-point win, they got some bench help with 11 against Utah. USC, they got five bench points. Eight points against Washington. Again, that was more of a blowout game. And then two points against Wazoo in a very close game. One-point win against the Cougs up in Pullman. So in most of these games, closer games, they're not getting any bench production, which is what Bona or especially with a Bailey and a Singleton could help depending on what their role is. That's why Bailey is so important to UCLA coming back fully healthy and fully engaged in becoming an important UCLA presence on this roster. But the Bruins can get the Bona low post presence, Bailey helping score the basketball with just a sixth player who can score 
whether it's him starting or putting Singleton back on the bench, whatever it is, that will help the bench scoring. Because then Andrews maybe wouldn't have to feel like he has to score so many points. Or McClendon, who's slowly building back. And at some point, Nuba or Matt Etienne, one of those guys, will come up big and needs to come up big. When Bona, who throughout the stretch of this rest of the Pac-12 season, the Pac-12 tournament, and the NCAA tournament, will be in foul trouble. He will be. It will be up to Etienne or Anuba. Or, hey, what if Abramo Zonka comes in? 6-6 from Italy. One of those guys will have to get a big rebound, a big steal, or a big two points. Because any one of those things from a bench that generally has not contributed this season will be immense in a game where just one rebound, an extra two points, could be the difference for a UCLA team that can, at times, struggle to score the basketball and just needs that one bucket, that one heart and hustle play that Bona provided at the end of the Arizona game to spark a big run and turn it into a UCLA victory or a game that was out of reach or just in reach for an opposition, put it out of reach and put that game goodbye or put UCLA back in a comeback fashion. That is the difference what UCLA needs to have happen. Now let's tell you what's going to go wrong as we shift into segment three of Locked On UCLA. Spent all show first beginning why UCLA can compete for a national championship, the X factors between Cronin, one not freaking out, two between the likes of UCLA's Bona, Bailey, and the bench all contributing. Now here's number three for Locked On UCLA. What can go wrong and why they will lose earlier than expected, like last year when they lost in the Sweet 16, or if they get a bad, say, a 2-7 matchup, 3-6, whatever goes wrong in the first or second round. Here's why UCLA won't win a national championship and fail potentially to win a Pac-12, Pac-12 tournament title, all those things that UCLA seems pretty much rolling on. These are the things that can go wrong. One, there's too many times for UCLA at times will just go into scoring slumps. They just do it. Times against Colorado, against Arizona, Arizona State, USC, where they could barely score, what, 16 points in the second half against the Trojans and almost blew a humongous halftime lead. The Bruins have tendencies to just lose it offensively. And mind you, this is without Bailey, so we'll see what the team looks like if they're more consistent when he's healthy and back in the lineup, extending the depth of the bench. But UCLA, again, as a Bruins fan, if you've watched it, listen to a Josh Lewin and a Tracy Murray, you've heard it, you've watched it, you've seen it, you looked at the highlights, maybe you've listened to us too many times. The scoring outage has happened one too many times. And in a tournament-like scenario, while you trust the defense and believe that that can be the reason UCLA will lead it to a potential title appearance, Final Four appearance, deep run in the tournament, it's what will scare every UCLA fan. Singleton. Maybe coming down to earth. Bona, if he gets in foul trouble, if Bailey plays like a freshman one game and the bench puts up a goose egg, that's what will lead UCLA to an early loss. If the bench doesn't show up, if UCLA, if we've seen with Hawkins, we've seen games where he puts up four for 15. We've seen games where Tiger Campbell puts up four for 15, three turnovers this season. And we've seen t- Jalen Clark sometimes go cold. But the recipe for a UCLA loss looks like this. Jalen Clark, in two of the three UCLA losses, most of them coming in November, obviously the back-to-back weekend, Clark was cold one night shooting. The next night, he went 23-10. and But Clark, you could argue his biggest presence, as I already mentioned, his defensive mindset, he had one steal in two games against both Baylor and Illinois combined. UCLA lost those games. 
and games where he has generally, generally has less than two steals have been tougher games for UCLA. And it took a late steal or a big steal from Clark that's helped either extend a run, begin a run, or been in the heart of the run to go from a 6-0 spurt and extend it, say, to a 16-2 run like the Bruins had against ASU to close them out last week in their only win against the Arizona schools. So if Clark has only one steal, if Hawkes is double-teamed or has a cold shooting night against an ASU like he did where he was under 10 points scoring for the first time what seemed like forever in his UCLA day, and there's no bench scoring to combine that, no Clark defense, Hawkes is struggling offensively, and then nobody's there to pick it up. That's what UCLA would lead to an early exit and the reasons why it's dangerous to pick the Bruins sometimes, but that I had to explain, hey, this is the reasons why they could lose it. There's a lot more reasons why you believe they have options who can pick up the slack for Hawkes. Campbell has been asked to do more scoring, and he's figuring it out. Bona has blossomed, and then they've got guys that can throw in as bodies behind him. They got Clark. Singleton, who have all been blossoming and exploding from last year into this year, but still, there's the reason UCLA in a tournament scenario could lose. Hawkins has a cold shooting night, no bench, Clark doesn't steal the basketball, and the freshmen play like freshmen one night. That's where it could all go wrong in one night scenario. Whereas you saw UCLA was competing against Carolina the uh, last season, last year, it just took a couple minute downfall, a slip of Tiger Campbell a late run by the Tar Heels, and the Bruins went from Elite Eight bound with St. Peter's waiting in the wings and the birth potentially of the Final Four to losing and crashing early against the Tar Heels, who eventually were 20 minutes away from a national championship. That's how close it was, and that's how close it'll be. Little minute things for a UCLA team that has to play well, plays a little slower, that needs to get that defense down and playing well to win each and every game. But one bad night, and that's what could find the Bruins on the wrong end of a finish. I know a downer, a Debbie Downer finish, right? That's a that's a downer finish here to a locked-on UCLA where I started packing the punches, realizing, hey, this is a team that can win, should win, and very well can and why they could compete for a title. But it's also the reasons why they can't. And the X factors, Bona, Bailey, and the bench with Mick Cronin all intertwined as one. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll got we got hopefully more football news coming up. We'll talk UCLA football and we'll have the preview and reaction for USC coming up in the next episode for UCLA versus SC part two. We got that coming up and then the reaction to follow later in the evening. So thanks for tuning into Locked On to UCLA. Thanks for making it your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcasts and it's available on YouTube. Like comment and subscribe hit that red subscribe button thanks for your support go check on go check out locked on college basketball a great second listen as a part of the locked on podcast family they've got it all with andy Patton, isaac shade perfect analysis from things and teams and players all across the country in college basketball perfect listen go jump on that after listening to this one in the meantime ucla fans as i'm zach anderson yoxheimer signing off get your hands in the air eight clap time baby and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U C L A. UCLA fight, fight, fights. This has been locked on UCLA. Go Bruins.